The following sermon was delivered to Christ Central Church in order to further our knowledge and adoration of who God is. We pray that it displays the hope found in Christ and strengthens your faith in Him. Mark 4, starting in verse 35. On that day, when evening had come, he said to them, Let us go across to the other side. And leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. And other boats were with him. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling. But he was in the stern asleep on the cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased. And there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? What we see in Mark chapter 4 is a building culmination of Jesus' authority that he is creator God. He is creator God. Verse 35 says, On that day when evening had come, Jesus said to them, to his disciples, Let us go across to the other side. On that day, Mark tells us, what day? This seems to be, though it's it's taking us two months, this seems to be in Mark chapter 4, one day in the life and the ministry of Jesus. A day that started in chapter 4, verse 1, with Jesus teaching throughout the day. It's a, it's a long day of teaching for Jesus. Some even put the beginning of this day all the way back to um, chapter 3 where um, the scribes come down from Jerusalem claiming that, that Jesus was possessed and led by Satan. I, I don't know that I can go back that far. We don't know for sure. But it seems certain that it began again. He began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered um, around him. And so, so much so that he eventually gets into a boat and Jesus is teaching this large crowd of people um, in parables about the, the kingdom of God. And on that day when evening had come, as, as the sun begins to set, as, as dusk comes, Jesus makes the decision and instructs his disciples to say, let's go to the other side. Now, 
We don't see in verse 35 what the other, the other side of, of what, but we know that he is on the, the Sea of Galilee. And so Jesus wants to go to the other side of the Sea of, of Galilee. And just to remind you, it's been a while since we, we began our study in Mark with Jesus on the banks of the Sea of Galilee calling these disciples to himself. But the Sea of Galilee is a large sea, about 64 square miles. Um, Geographically, it's important to know that the Sea of Galilee sits 628 feet below sea level. And surrounding the Sea of Galilee are uh, mountainous areas. And these mountains have, have deep ravines carved into them. And these mountains with these ravines carved into them serve as a wind tunnel. And as um, the wind grows, it's funneled through these ravines and it focuses strong winds out onto the surface of the lake. And that often culminated on the Sea of Galilee in very great storms. Very great storms. And this is what Mark tells us happens on this night that a great windstorm comes upon the Sea of, of Galilee. Now, I don't want to over-spiritualize this because a lot of times when we come to this text in particular, we can, we can sort of over-spiritualize some things. Um, it's certainly okay to, to come to God's word and to, and to, to get principles for our lives. That's, that's one of the things that we do. When we come to God's word, we always want to come and say, all right, what is the main point of this text? What's the main uh, reason for this, this text to be written? Um, and I, I think that's pretty clear in this text, and we'll, we'll get there in a second. But there are some principles also that we can learn um, within, within this, this um, text. I, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I do feel that it's important just to, to notice here in verse 35, at the very beginning of this text, to notice who it was that was leading them across this sea on this night. It was Jesus. It was the Lord. It was at his command that he says, come, let us go to the other side. And this underlines one of the most important principles of the Christian life. Sometimes you and I may find ourselves in difficulties because of our own sin or our own foolishness. But there are times when the Lord himself leads us into difficulties. Amen. Where the Lord leads us into a storm. And that's exactly what takes place here. And it's important for us to remember that when the Lord leads us into storms, he does it often to show us something about himself. And that's what we see here in this text. The Lord 
led them into this storm. It, it could be that this is one of the occasions that Peter was thinking about when he wrote these words in 1 Peter 4. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when they come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when difficulties come. Don't be surprised at the fiery trials. Don't be shocked. Don't be taken off guard by them. Because Peter has firsthand experience of, of the Lord Jesus himself leading them into essentially what is a hurricane. What is a hurricane? Church, it's so important that we do not buy into what some so-called preachers are peddling. That the Lord does not want us to suffer. That the Lord does not want us to have difficulties. Oftentimes, it is the Lord himself that leads us into those periods in our lives. And when he does so, he does it so that he can reveal something about himself. Verse 36, and leaving the crowd, they took him with them in the boat just as he was. Just as he was. So they are in a boat that he was in. That's, that's the point of just as he was. Jesus has been in this boat teaching, and he says, okay, now it's time to go across to the other side. And, and they, don't, they don't run back to Peter's house and get some clothing. They don't run back to Peter's house and get some provisions. It is Jesus teaching and then says, now let's go to the other side. And they took him just as he was in this boat. This is probably Peter's boat. Um, and Mark tells us that you've got Jesus and his disciples in a boat and that there are other boats with them. So there is Jesus and his disciples traveling across, across this, this um, Sea of Galilee and sort of a flotilla of boats alongside and, and behind him. Um, one of the interesting things... Um, archaeologically that, that's happened in the last 10 or 15 years is archaeologists found a fishing boat at the bottom of the Sea of Galilee that date to precisely this time. It dates to the time of Jesus. Now, what that does for us is it gives us some insight into sort of what this boat looks like. And there's not much left of the boat. You can Google pictures and see it. It's, it's just sort of the, the, the wooden slats, the undercarriage of the boat. Um, but it gives you an idea of the size of the boat. And it, it's, a, it's a boat that would, would hold about 15 people, which is precisely the, the size that would be needed. Jesus and his disciples and these, these other boats are, are with him as they sail across the Sea of Galilee. That's what Luke tells us in, in his um, recount of, of this experience that they were sailing across the Sea of Galilee. Mark tells us here that along the way, Jesus falls asleep, verse 38, but he was in the stern asleep 
on a cushion. Stern is the back of the boat. Jesus there asleep on a cushion in the back of the boat. Um, and why is it that Jesus is asleep? Jesus is asleep because Jesus is human. Jesus is human. What we see here in this text is a beautiful illustration of the incarnation. You will see in this text, in this one text, hand in hand, God becoming flesh and Jesus being fully God, yet fully man. He is weary. He is tired. And what do we do as as humans when we're weary and tired? We sleep. And that's what Jesus is doing here. He has had a long day of ministry. A long day of ministry. Teaching to, to hundreds and thousands of people. And then, you know, gathering his disciples around and explaining to them what he has to say. And, and Jesus is exhausted. I mean, he has been, he's been on this, this uh, frenetic pace of ministry in Galilee of, of you know, uh, some dissension from the Pharisees, them trying to catch him in things, accusing him of things, Jesus working miracles and healing people and healing sicknesses and casting out demons. I mean, all of this is happening in rapid pace here um, in Capernaum, and Jesus is tired. And so Jesus goes to sleep because Jesus is fully human. He's fully, fully human. Um, yet he's, he's fully God. We see him command a storm. And then a storm comes in verse 37. Mark tells us that a great windstorm arose and the waves were breaking into the boat so that the boat was already filling up. Large storms were common on the Sea of Galilee in all seasons. Because of the the geographical makeup of of the area and the way that that the wind was funneled down onto the surface of the sea. Mark says that this is a great windstorm. This is strong language. This word uh, for windstorm is the same word used for a hurricane. This is a hurricane type windstorm. A great storm. And this is probably taking place in the winter of 29 AD. And it was in the winter that it was the stormiest time on the Sea of Galilee. As cold air from the mountains rushed down onto the sea and met with warm air. And storms could grow very quickly there on the Sea of Galilee. The boat is caught in this great windstorm that arose, I mean, literally just came up out of, out of nowhere, so much so that the boat is getting filled with water and it is in danger of sinking. Um, Matthew tells us in his account that it is now, at this point, it is dark. Right, So Jesus leaves in the evening at dusk. The sun now sets. A hurricane falls upon them. So it is dark. 
It is cold. It is stormy. And you're in a boat. And the boat is being filled with water. But Jesus was in the stern asleep on a cushion. And people, people read that and they think, yeah, that's no way. How can somebody be asleep on a cushion in the middle of a, of a hurricane? Well, this is this, this just how tired Jesus was. I mean, you've been this tired before. I mean, just so tired that nothing can wake you up. Jesus is asleep, peacefully asleep while the water fills the boat. So you have a great storm, and then you got a, a great calm happening in Jesus himself. In the midst of the storm, there's a great calm. But he is the only one that was calm in this Situation, And they awoke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? They saw themselves as perishing. Literally, that word there is destroyed. They saw themselves as being destroyed. They saw themselves at the danger of a sure death. Death was upon them and they were losing it. And so what do they do? They wake up Jesus and they ask this question. Do you not care? Do you not care that we are dying here? Do you not care that our world is coming to an end? Do you not care that we are filled with such great fear? It seemed to them that Jesus was unaware and unconcerned of their plight. I read this and I think, you know, it's pretty funny to me. Because remember who, who these guys are. These, are. these are sailors. These are fishermen. And they're waking up a carpenter for help. Like things got to be bad. When you're the experienced boatman and you're waking up the carpenter. <laughs> Jesus, do you not care? They realized in that moment that their only hope was divine intervention. And they know enough by now to know that Jesus has some sort of connection with the divine. They don't fully see it. They don't fully grasp it. If they did, they wouldn't ask these questions that they're asking. But they know their only hope is a divine intervention. And so they go to the, to the one guy that, that seems to have a connection to the divine. And they woke him up and they asked him this question. Do you not care that we are perishing? Do you not care? You know, there are probably times, there are certainly times in our lives where... This can be our response. God, do you not care? Do you not care what I'm going through because it doesn't seem that you're helping? God, do you not care because it feels like you're asleep? It feels like you're unaware. It feels like you're unconcerned. Do you not care? Well, they're successful. 
and they wake him up. Verse 39, and he awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. Now let's be honest here for a second. This would have been really strange. I mean, think about it for a second. A man stands up and talks to the weather like the weather could hear him and obey. This is strange. This is strange, right? I mean, you wake up, you wake up the guy sleeping in the boat, the boat's filling with water. It's like, you know, grab a bucket and start bailing here. Help us out. Do you not care? And instead, this guy wakes up and says, hey, weather. But what's even stranger is that the weather obeys. In this moment, the water and the wind recognized the voice of their creator because it was his voice that made them. Everything was created out of his mouth. And so when he stands and speaks, the wind and the waves, they remember the voice of their creator and they obey him. And in an instant, it went from a great windstorm, Mark says, to a great calm. Literally, it went from a mega storm to a mega calm. Everything stopped. Everything stopped. It went from a hurricane to a glassy sea. Now, there are some that would look at this and say, well, this was just coincidence. It was just coincidental that, that Jesus woke up and spoke and the, and the storm was gone. It was moving away from him and he just woke up right at the end and it passed on by. But that would not make the sea go to glass. It would still be churning. But when Jesus speaks and commands Peace, be still, stop, wind, stop, water, be still, they obey. And now all of a sudden they're sailing in a glassy, calm sea, all simply by speaking. Because this man Jesus is creator God. He's creator God. This man Jesus reveals in this moment that he has the ability to bring about a new creation. He's been teaching about the kingdom of God. He's been saying the kingdom of God is, is at hand, repent. He's been teaching what the kingdom of God is like. 
and that the kingdom of God is here. He's been showing how you can be brought into the kingdom of God. And then in this moment, it is made clear that he is the one with the authority to bring about the kingdom of God because he is God. Only God has the authority and the ability and is sovereign enough to command creation. And Jesus reveals in this moment that he has that ability. And so the writers of scriptures echo that. John 1, 1 through 3, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Jesus Christ is creator God. Hebrews 1, 1 through 3. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. The only interpretation of this story is that Jesus is God. And that's the main point. That's the main point of this text. Only the creator can do these things. And now, it's becoming increasingly clear that everything is under his authoritative power. Everything. At all times and in all places. We have been for so long now in Jesus' teaching of the kingdom of God that it would be easy to forget this thread that Mark is weaving in his gospel, which is the authority of Jesus. Right? So we have seen that, that Jesus has authority over sickness. Right? That's been proven as Jesus heals people. We have seen that Jesus has authority over demons, over the spiritual realm, because he commands demons and they obey him. We have seen that Jesus has authority to forgive sins. What is harder for me to say? Rise, take your mat and go home or your sins are forgiven. But so that you know, the Son of Man has the authority to do it. Take up your mat and go home. We now see Jesus has authority over nature. You can see just the authority stacking up like, wow, you know, it's just being revealed. The, the greater level of his authority till, till ultimately it, it culminates in the proof that Jesus has authority over death through his resurrection. Jesus 
is the ultimate authority. Everything is under his authoritative power at all times and at all places because he is creator God. Psalm 103, 19, the Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his kingdom rules over all. Nothing is outside of his authority. And so he said to them, verse 40, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith? Do you still not believe? Do you still not see? Now, they woke Jesus up because they had some level of an understanding that, that there's a divine connection here between Jesus. They, they are beginning to understand who this man is. But they didn't even begin to see all of it. And it seems that in this moment of crisis, there was a piece missing in the puzzle. And that was faith that he cared for them. Do you not care, they said. Do you not care that we are perishing? So Jesus looks at them and says, why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Have you still no faith that not only I am able to do all things, but I am willing to do it for you. And what is their response? And they were filled with great fear. I mean, you see this progression here from a great storm to a great calm to a great fear. So notice the language Mark uses here. They're in the boat and this hurricane comes upon them and Mark tells us that they were afraid. They were afraid. But that fear, the fear of the storm, wasn't anything close to the mega fear they have now. Because they are greatly afraid. Isn't that interesting? The juxtaposition here? Why? Why does Mark tell us now that the storm is over, they're mega afraid? Because there's only one thing worse than having a hurricane around your boat. And that's having God in your boat. And they're afraid. Panic set in. A greater fear set in. And they said to, to one another, who then is this? Who then is this guy that even the wind and the sea obey him? Because there is only one possibility. 
He is God. And they were struck with fear in the presence of Almighty God. Church, that's what we see all through the scriptures. As people have interactions with God Almighty, be they a, a, what's called a, a theophany, um, a visible representation of God in the Old Testament, be it a burning bush, a pillar of fire, a pillar of smoke. The presence of God comes. The people of God are filled with great fear. Great fear. Be it a, a, a Christophany, a Christophany, a, a revelation in the Old Testament of, of Jesus himself in the form of what we know as the angel of the Lord. Great fear sets in. To be in the presence of holy, almighty God demands great fear. Why? Because he is holy. He is righteous. He is all-powerful. He is totally other than us. And when we're in his presence, what do we sense? We sense our wretchedness. This is Isaiah, Isaiah 6. Woe is me as he sees the Lord high and lifted up. Woe is me for I am unclean. I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm sinful. You are holy. Fear sets in. Church, we need more of this today. We, all of us, me included, we are far too lackadaisical with Jesus Christ. Which makes me just wonder, have we lost sight of who he really is? Have we lost sight of what we're really doing when we gather together? Whose presence we come into? Have we lost sight of it? This is just easy soapbox for a preacher. I can't pass it up. Had we not lost sight of it, we wouldn't let things keep us away. We wouldn't let ball games keep us away. We wouldn't let being tired keep us away. We wouldn't let long Saturdays keep us away. We wouldn't let a virus keep us away. Who then is this? That even the wind and the sea obey him. This is the question that you have to come to an answer for. Every one of us has to work this question out. Who then is this? Most important question for you is who is Jesus to you? You see, what happens for a lot of people is they ask other questions. See, the question is not how has a church treated you? It's not about how a church mistreated you. They'll ask questions like, well, what about all the hypocrites? It's not about the hypocrites. It's not about your past experiences in a church. 
and how you were wronged and how you were hurt, I realize that that wrong and that hurt is real and it's deep. But that is not the most important question. The most important question is, who then is this man? Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Everything in life and death depend on how you answer this question. This is the question his disciples are asking. This is the question that we have to ask. Who is this? And they knew Jesus was powerful. They'd seen his power. They knew he had a divine connection with God. They had yet to see and believe that he was God. They had seen as Jesus exercised compassion over those who were sick, but they were still not sure if he cared for them. Remember this question. Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? So what do we see in this story? If you tie it all together, you see that Jesus Christ is creator God. And remarkably, undeservedly, he cares for you. Psalm 55, 22, cast your burdens on the Lord. And he will sustain you. He will never permit his righteous to be moved. 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Jesus is creator He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. Before by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. And in him all things hold together. God is made manifest before us. As Jesus Christ is creator God, but not only is he our creator, he is also our comforter. He cares for you. He cares for you. What great truth. Jesus is sovereign God. And by his grace, through faith, our Lord sees you, he knows you, he knows your circumstances, he knows your pain, he knows your trials, he knows the storm that you're in, and he cares for you. He cares for you. And his message this morning Regardless of your circumstances, regardless of your pain, regardless of your hurts, regardless of the storm that you're in, Jesus' message to you is the same as to his disciples 
on this cold, stormy night. Why are you so afraid? That's right. Have you still no faith? Thank you for listening to this Christ Central Church sermon series. To find our gathering location and more sermons, visit ChristCentralChurch.net.